Howdy, everybody. Bob Tallman here. Kendra Santos has been the most trusted storyteller and truth teller now for generations of cowboys and cowgirls. Tommy Joe Lucia has worked and learned the rodeo business from every angle for the last 51 years. Listen to me, people. Santos and Lucia come at their life's work from the different angles of the rodeo business, which makes for lively discussion and debate. Their voices in rodeo are respected. This is no spin rodeo. No politics, no BS. Listen up. Here we go. Thank you, Bobby T, for the welcome and the introduction. By the way, in that open there, I was just listening. If you heard that I've been in this business uh, 51 years, that's actually correct because I started performing when I was three. So if you think that that's a voiceover mistake, which would mean I'm 54 years old, so there you all know how old I am. Good morning to Greg Teagarden in the production bay and our hot mess, Kendra Santos. How are you this morning, Kendra? You look great. You look fantastic. Because you see, here's what's interesting, everybody. Kendra's just, I've got her speechless already this morning. This is going to be a good one. Here's what's interesting. She lives in California. I live in Texas. There's a big difference between California and Texas, not only in the cultures, but also in the time zone. So she has to get up like really early to get ready. And I don't. And so let's try this one more time. Good morning, Kendra. Have you had your big cup of joe? Two cups of coffee and I'm on my tea now. Green tea? It's green, green tea. Green tea. It's tea. licorice mint and it's delightful. It's delightful. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we always kick off No Spin Rodeo. Thank you, No Spinners, for listening to us. This is where Kendra catches us up on the latest news in the Western lifestyle world. Take it away. Well, obviously, the PRCA's regular season is over. I just returned to my desk from a two-week road trip that started at Isaac Diaz's place in Desdemona, Texas, and ended at the WCRA's $400,000 Rodeo Carolina in Mill Spring, North Carolina. I'll get back to Isaac in a minute, but I guess I would open here with the money at this event, and it might not count toward the world standings, but it counts in your bank account. And also cool to me is that in a lot of cases at this rodeo, the big money was won by underdogs and they never would have been picked on paper, but, but they, but they think they came through. And that is something that's, that is cool to me about the WCRA, like kids, you have to be 18 to get your PRCA or W's PRA card now, but there are teenagers at these events it's not only preparing them for bigger stages to come later, but some of them are rising to the occasion now. So it's it's, it's pretty fun to watch, and you won't see it anywhere else where, where they collide like that. Well, yes, at the American, this happens also. So in the bareback riding, Mason Clements and Leighton Berry split the win, which was not a surprise. And But Mason won $16,750, bucks, Leighton $13,250. That's not chump change. That's... That's real money. So I will mention the other winners because some of them you've never heard of, and I hadn't either. But Marcus Terrio and Cole Curry, they just made their first NFR. They won $16,850 a man in the team roping. Tori Johnson, steer wrestler from Oklahoma, won the bulldogging. Stephanie Fryer won the barrel race. Trevor Hale won the tie down. Maley Wade won the breakaway. Wyatt Rogers in the bull riding. And Clay Galliard ended up beating the the favorite Isaac Diaz in the bronc riding that a young breakaway roper I've never heard of won almost 26 grand. That's cool. So I'll say this to me. I look at the WCRA as, as like, it's like bonus money. It's, it's money that fell from the sky for rodeo contestants and more money for rodeo contestants. That's what I'm all about. But in the five years that the WCRA has been around, they have paid Cowboys and Cowgirls $16,500,000. That's good news to me. I don't see a downside to that. Yeah, I, I don't, don't. I don't either. 
yeah, I think it's great. I, I think it'd be interesting to know how much of the 16.5, and I think it's sizable, by the way, is added money and how much is recirculating money. Um, but listen, I think that anybody in, in that wants to come into rodeo and pro- put on professional events that makes the rodeo property looks good, look good, excuse me, that makes a rodeo property look good and pays great money that that allows people to continue to go, does it at a beautiful facilities. I saw some of the stuff of that. That facility looked gorgeous, a unique place to play. Hats off to all the folks at the WCRA, good staff over there, uh, good event. Now, I heard some grumblings about, and I have zero proof of any of this, but that potentially, you know, Isaac was riding for a million dollars. You win three in a row. In case some of our viewers don't know, if you win three titles at three of their events in a row, you win a million bucks. It's the Triple Crown, a concept, by the way, that was discussed between Days of 47, Calgary, a lot of different people in the past that the WCRA grabbed a hold of and is doing. Now, I did hear, Kendra, that there was some grumblings. I don't know if there were some rule changes on Isaac actually winning a million if he won the event or having to share it. Any grumblings or were I don't know where that originated, but that's not good. I mean, I don't know if any rules were adjusted or anything. I don't know that. But the way I understood it, if he won, he won a million dollars. Is that the case? So the rules were not changed. The the Triple Crown of Rodeo, which is sponsored by the Lazy Arena in Guthrie, Oklahoma, win three three consecutive majors, WCRA majors. And a million dollars is on the line, the Triple Crown of Rodeo. It has said all along, because I've I've written about it a number of times, to any athlete or or athletes, it's always there's always an, an S in parentheses on athletes to win three straight. I think the confusion perhaps came when the last couple of years, it fell into a calendar year that was made it easier to understand. And, and the last couple of years, it ended in Fort Worth at Cowtown Christmas in December. This year, it finishes this run for the Triple Crown finishes up at the Lazy E Arena first week of January. I think that maybe caused, you know, led to some confusion, but the athletes knew Isaac was well aware. And so going into Sunday's Triple Crown of Rodeo round, there were four ways it could have potentially been split. If Mason Clements wins the bareback riding at Rodeo Carolina, he has two in a row. Guess what? He tied with Leighton Berry. So now the way it's written, nothing was changed. It's not one in a row. It's not for Leighton. It's not two in a row for Mason. You have to win it outright to count. So we go back to ground zero on the bareback riding. Okay. The other Kelsey Domer in the breakaway had a chance to make it two in a row. Shad Mayfield in the tie down had a chance to make it two in a row. Um, So, oh, and the, the Riley Kittle and Jace Helton in the team repping. So there were so many ways if Isaac wins that it would, he would have had to wait until January to see how many ways it would get split, if at all. But the way it played out, someone I I don't know, Clay Galliard, you know, he was 86 points, Isaac was 81. To me, the outcome was legit. When when Isaac's feet hit the ground, he knew it. My understanding when they did the stock draft, Isaac was debating in his own mind, he had first pick and he was debating between the horse that Clay picked and he had first choice and he picked the other one. And it's, you know, that's rodeo. On that particular day, the horse Clay picked had a better day. Isaac did everything. Isaac was flawless. He won the first two rounds. I mean, he was he was on point. And I gained, I've always respected and, and really liked Isaac Diaz. What's not to like? He's a great guy. He's a he's a family man. He's a great friend to people. He's he you're never gonna hear him brag. It was like so easy to cheer for this guy. And after going before this event to his home with his NFR barrel racer wife, Brittany, who's a barrel horse trainer. Their two little kids are adorable. Hey, RC Landingham proved last December. This actually happens. RC Landingham is home hurt again. Um, he's just had another surgery again. But guess what? Because of this triple crane of rodeo, he has a new place that's his own and a lot less stress. 
than than he had a year ago. But but the way you know, it's easy to be a gracious winner. Um, when it was over, there was Isaac, you know, with his little girl and his little boy, Whitley and Reese, holding them, and it, it, he was he was so gracious in defeat. And and uh, so I'm a I'm a Isaac Diaz fan for life, and. The whole concept, the whole way it all played out, there was a, a tick of drama with with Shad Mayfield, you know, when we're talking about rules, he was not aware. I wasn't previously either, but Saturday night, he curled a tail on his calf and it came off and he was masterful. It's it's He finished the run beautifully executed, like would come in so handy if say he's winning the NFR average in the ninth round and he curls a tail, like the way he recovered was was awesome but come to find out a bell collar catch only in the calf roping not catches catch can like as is in the case in the prca so you know there's other things that are different you know five second barriers in the wcra calves only have to stay tied three seconds there's some different things but those rules were set they were not you know changed in the heat of battle or whatever so the other thing i would say before we you know get out of town here on what just happened in Mill Spring, North Carolina, is that the WCRA also paid out the Reliance Ranch's virtual rodeo qualifier points champion checks. So Cody Devers, Josh Frost, Ryan Padone, Martha Angeloni, Shad Mayfield, Andrew Ward, Buddy Hawkins, Isaac Diaz, and Leighton Perry. Guess what? At the end of the rodeo, they were each given a $25,000 bonus for being the points leader. So like Leighton Barry left Rodeo Carolina with over 38 grand. That's pretty cool. That's real money. That's fantastic. It, it's great. I mean, it irritates me a little bit that when good things happen in rodeo, people seem to take sides <laughs> and, you know, there, there becomes controversy and chips on shoulders and, people start to become defensive and that's silly. Now it, it is interesting. I watched Isaac's ride. I watched that part of course. And I thought, man, that horse, but that's one of the benefits of those guys picking their animals, right? That, that, that it's not necessarily the luck of the draw. And when we were, when we had the WCR in Salt Lake, they picked their animals you know, I think that that adds, you know, all of these things that the WCRA is doing, they're adding stories and they are making history. You know, Riley Webb, he he roped for a million at our event. And again, now they've had two really gracious, I think, people that didn't, I, I can't imagine the pressure, um, nor the, there, there's got to be some kind of a sick feeling of man, you know, and both of them were fantastically gracious. I think it's fantastic. It is good for rodeo. Um, I would love to see more of these high profile events start to continue to have conversations so that this doesn't turn into golf where you've got to live in a PGA tour. I just continue. I continue to promote that we should all continue to have conversation to work together, but no doubt hats off to that event hats off to the money Gary McKinney, all those people that are uh, all of the WCRA staff that are that are that are making checkbooks more full in rodeo with good, clean, produced competition. So hats off. Uh, congratulations to those guys and all the winners. Absolutely, Kendra. Now we typically talk about our no spinners. You know, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. I have to be honest, Kendra, because I kind of hoped. I hope that our no spinners out there, those are the people that listen to this podcast <clears throat> a lot. You know, we have a we have a feedback line where you can text and we don't know who you are. That number is 817-668-2395. And I kind of challenge them to send send us a text on who they thought was the GOAT of rodeo in, you know, in from what they can remember. Who do they think is the the best in in this this game. And we did get one back that reinforced Cody Ole and Fred Whitfield and also brought up Adriano Marias as kind of changing the landscape in bull riding, which I would agree with. Adriano won, um, and, and this no spinner mentioned it, you know, he won even in a transition of generations, right? You know, he, he won and, and, but you can look back at all of the, there's a lot of greats out there 
And I guess if I was going to challenge the no spinners that I'm going to have to pick. Now, listen, this is opinion. This is my narrative, Kendra, because it's probably going to irritate you. You know, it, but who the greatest of all time is sports talk, you know, sports talk. And is it LeBron and is it Michael Jordan? Is it, you know, that's just good, fun conversation. Nothing. There, there are greats that probably were greats and we didn't even know it. However, I'm going to have to pick Trevor for mine. And there's a couple reasons. Way to go out on a limb. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> but, but let me... That, <laughs> uh, taking away his credits, which you can't do. All of the great things he did in the sport. <clears throat> his character is impressive to me. Now, Adriano's character is impressive to me. Um, but... You know, he just, the level of preparing and determination and skill, you know, <laughs> okay, you're right. So it's easy to pick Trevor, but I, I, I really would. And it would probably be for more reasons than Buckles. That's my point. That my, and same thing with Michael Jordan. I, I think Michael Jordan, to me, his character feels more likened to what I would like than LeBron. That's all I got to say. Do you have a goat? Well, I, I've always said that I feel like it's really difficult to compare generations. It's like, okay, just take the calf roping. That's that's always debated. But it's like, how do you compare what Dean Oliver did on the monster calves they used to run over monster score lines when they stepped yeah. off the left and legged them because they were they were beasts? You know, how do you compare that? To Fred Whitfield, Joe Beaver, Cody Ole, Trevor Brazil, like how do you compare trying to be six in the Thomas and Mac? It's really difficult to compare. Now, when you look at the full package, I mean, yeah, I obviously no one's ever going to argue with you about, you know, Trevor Brazil. I mean, 26 gold buckles, but he's also like the man, the husband, the dad, the friend, like find a fault in Trevor Brazil. Go ahead, try because I. Well, occasionally me, he can be he. He's been really mean to me before. Yeah, he has been mean to me. It was but probably it was, warranted. <laughs> it was if if Trevor said something. <laughs> so Trevor hurt my feelings a couple of times, Kendra. With the truth, on, when the truth hurts, it's on you. <laughs> Here we go. Moving okay. on. I don't even recall. Okay. But it's hard to hurt my feelings, and Trevor did intimidate me a couple times. One something to think about is in football, for instance, Kendra. You know they had the you know the old the stats are still in the, in for who won the Super Bowls, but the way they played football back then was different than the way they play football now, and it's that way in all the sports. But you still have to keep records, and you still have to kind of. That's the beauty of this, right? Is that we have the ability to kind of you know, figure out who we think's the best. And I think it's really where, what generation we're in, in our prime, right? You know, kind of we're in on our prime. We're the most engaged, you know, Greg, what do you think? I mean, you know, do you, do you pick sports heroes as goats that were before you were really engaged in sports? Or are you more likely to do it now? For me, it's more of when I grew up and got, interested in the sport that would be my goat you know I, it's really hard for me now to say somebody currently that would be a goat in any sport um, when it comes to rodeo I think the interesting part is the fact that there's so many different events so you know you could say Adriano is the best bull rider but that's only for bull riding you can have Trevor Brazil for the roping so I, I really feel that to pick a one person for a rodeo is kind of hard because there's just so much diversity. I think it's impossible. Yeah, and, and, and it's just like Ty Murray owned his era. That's a different end of the arena. When you talk about bull riders, it's like, who's the greatest? Is it Donnie Gay? Because he has the most gold buckles. Is it JB Mooney? Because he won seven and a half million dollars, the most money. Is it Jim Sharp going, you know, Adriana Marias going 10 for 10? Who was the last one? Curry, Norman Curry, 10 for 10 at the NFR, you know, Jim Sharp being 
the only criticism ever heard of Jim Sharp was that he made it look too easy and, you know, decreased the bowl score sometimes by doing that. How do you compare, you know, or, or, or are you going to look at the big picture and go, okay, what about them outside of the arena? You know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Are they but, worthy you know, heroes to our, to our next generations? You know, is that part of the conversation? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And, you know, you look at Stetson, and he's exciting. He just is. Everybody knows it. He's fun. Watch out. I mean, he's just, he's just fun. But yeah, all good points. And I think every, I think what I come to is that everybody has their own kind of goat in their mind in all sports. And there's different factors. No doubt rodeo is, is harder. So there we go. Now we're on to point of view, which is the where we bring up conversations that Kendra and I kind of go over and we like to keep it pertinent. We've got a lot of great point of views to talk about in the future, but some of those can happen when, you know, that maybe they're not quite as timely. And the most timely thing in our world right now for all of you that maybe aren't as engaged in rodeo is the, is that the Super Bowl of rodeo, the NFR happens in Las Vegas, Nevada in December and it's the it's where you win all the money okay it's it, it's the super bowl too it's where you win the buckle it's the it's a fantastic amazing event no doubt about it however the september 30th or the end of september is they they use money right total winnings to decide who from the athlete's perspective gets to get into the nfr and so you know in theory the top 15 highest money earners um, are qualified to go try to win a lot of money at the NFR and a gold buckle. So it's a very dominant storyline. It's got to be dominant in all of their, in every decision-making thing that they do. And it seems like, so the, the topic of point of view is the, the crap that happens after the 30th. And what I mean by that is there's always some drama. Okay, and it's usually in three major areas. And the first one that I want to bring up, and then we'll talk to Kendra about it, is, you know, the top 15. And it seems like in the past, was it last year that they had, was it 16 bull riders that got to compete at the NFR? Is that right? Can you guys fact check me on that? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That To me, that's a big wow. And... And currently, currently there's discussions and I'm just, what we do here is I'm going to tell you the facts that I found from my sources. There's some discussions and a little bit of drama in the 15th position in healing between Tyler Worley and Colby Payne. And so here's, here's what I've found um, from my sources on this. And then Kendra, I'm going to open it up to discussions. This goes back to something we've talked about in the past, and that's limits on rodeos. And there's two sides to the limits. If you guys all remember, all you know, spinners, we talked about you have to go to 40 rodeos for your money to count. That would be the light side limit. And remember that affected Sage Kimsey. He had to go get those rodeos. Did he ride or not? Is that is that fair? And then you've got Casey Field, who did not get his 40 rodeos, who's made enough money and isn't going to be at the NFR. So that's the 40 rule. Well, then there's the other end of the spectrum. How many rodeos can you go to? They limit how many can count. And in the team rope, and I believe, correct me, smarter people than I, but I'm pretty sure it's 75. And what sources tell me is here's how it worked. The PRCA athletes have an app. They have a portal where they can go in and look at their current rodeos and winnings and whatever's on there. I don't know. I'm not, a, you guys all know I, I'm not talented enough to compete. However, the information that I have on this is that, you know, Colby believed he was at 74 rodeos before the governor's cup and he's only allowed 75 on his portal. The rodeo count total, the way I understood it said 74, but it also has a disclaimer that says this is not audited above that. Evidently is the list of rodeos. Okay, how many rodeos? Because they, I guess they put them on there when you count them. You decide in advance. No spinners. You pick the rodeos before you compete that you want to count to the NFR. And so, had he counted the rodeos, 
there were 75 listed, I think. This is what I'm being told. And uh, from very credible sources, the count said 74. And so here's the, he, he wins 12, 13,000. I don't know the exact numbers at the governor's cup, which would have put him in and knocked out Tyler. So the facts are the facts. They, it's documented what rodeos he picked. And evidently he had picked 75 before that. And so, but, you know, one of the things that I kind of ask my sources is, well, if this, you know, how does this work? And so for all of you out there that don't know, so Colby has, that they do an audit period after where they audit all the numbers and make sure everything's correct. Then there's an opportunity for um, athletes to present a grievance. That grievance goes to Steve Knowles first. If it's not resolved it gets appealed, it goes to Tom Glouse. If it's not resolved, it gets appealed and it goes to an independent board of PRCA members that decide and that's as far as it goes. That would be like the Supreme Court. So Colby can appeal this. He can appeal this to Steve Knowles. He can appeal this to Tom Glouse and then to the board and then it will be decided. And so those are those are the facts. I'll give you my opinion on this after I hear your thoughts on it on, you know, Colby Payne and Tyler, who who's the number 15 healer into the NFR? Any thoughts, Kendra? Well, for one, we've been down this road before in the last few decades. And I think the bottom line takeaway for me is that the PRCA, back in the day, they used to print in the Pro Rodeo Sports News with the world standings in parentheses how many rodeos you've been to. What we learned from people like Chad Masters over time is that there can be mistakes there. So I told my sons a long time ago is bottom of it, you have to take care of your own business and you cannot expect the PRCA to keep track of the money you've won, the rodeos you've counted, because this can all come up for audit later. You have to keep track of your own business meticulously. And here's part of, I think, what my understanding has happened here. For one thing, Clay Smith, multiple time world champion, who's been roping with Colby this year, they did not start the season off together. Clay Smith is not going to miss the number on his rodeo count, but because they didn't rope, if they'd roped together from Odessa through Sioux Falls, I don't think this would have happened. I don't know Colby Payne. I'm sure he's a very smart individual. And this has happened to a lot of people over time. Okay. We, we have precedents for, for discrepancies like this. I, I did visit uh, Tyler Worley's father-in-law is a dear friend of mine. He's a world champion and hall of famer, Bobby Hurley. I, I do know that Tyler has been, you know, he's, he got the email. Congratulations on qualifying. He has ordered his NFR jacket. He has ordered his NFR ring. I do not see any way Tyler Worley gets the boot here. I don't get it. I will say also casual fans who see Colby Payne in the world standings at 17th, they have no way of knowing that this is this guy from 17th could potentially move up here. I, I just, I also understand that, you know, there are recordings of, you know, Clay Smith being told, you know, Colby's rodeo count that he still had Sioux Falls. There's all these things, but it's like, in the end, is it fair to expect a person who, to be blunt, might be a minimum wage 19-year-old? They look up, they see what they see, and they say, yeah, this is what it says. I'm not here to pick sides, but there, every cowboy has to have a book that has every penny, every rodeo, Every, you know, every turnout, every trade, every everything, that's part of taking care of Rodeo Cowboy business. So how this is going to go, I don't know. I will also say that, like, I have not heard one single person say anything about 16th place. You know, 16 teams, I mean, floodgate can of worms. I don't think that's going to happen, but... Let's not, that's, we, we said that when, you know, it's happened before in the steer wrestling, the saddle bronc riding and the bull riding, everybody said that's not going to happen. It happened. I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but I'm saying it's happened before. And if it were to happen, there, there are some odd men out here, which I think is, is interesting. If you're a hardcore team wrapping fan, like 
Nelson Wyatt, who's now roped with eight or 10 people this year, he is set to rope with Jonathan Torres. They're, these are the odd men out that would be paired off if it, if, it in, if it stands as final. So Clay Smith would rope with Tyler Worley. Jake Clay would rope with Peyton Bray. If in the unexpected event that we did go a fourth time, given the three other precedents to 16th, that would mean taking Brenton Hall up from 16th on the heading. And then all these guys would go back and rope with the guy that they roped with most, most of this year. I mean, it would change everything. So like, this is, this is, it's not going to happen. Okay. It's not going to happen. It's not, it's not, I don't, uh, I would predict that this doesn't happen. You're right. It would, it would be, when I thought about this, I said, oh man, does that open a can of worms? And is that the easiest path forward? I think from the, the, the information that I've got that this doesn't happen. And I would put, I, I think there's two, two blames here. One a little bigger than the other. The first one is shame on the PRCA or any governing body that doesn't have their technology in place to do stuff correctly. That's just not acceptable when our current conversations in this world is about how do we control AI? Really? How do we control computers that think smarter than us and don't take us over? However, we can't get a spreadsheet working to do the right math. So shame on the PRCA. Come on, you're the governing body. Step it up. Get get your crap right. There's no excuse for having the wrong number on a portal. That's my opinion. But the major blame, I agree with you, Ms. Santos, that the major blame of this is probably on the athlete in that you got to take care of your own business. Um, and I, I'm you know, not it, I'm not saying, oh, you know, shame on you to anybody at all, because no, trust me, no, but, everybody involved in this situation is absolutely sick. They've just roped their guts out for a year and every single person involved here is sick to their stomachs. I am not saying, oh, shame on so-and-so. But I mean, this is this is heart-wrenching. If he, if he had 75 rodeos in there, that's why there are rules written, right? There's policies and rules. If he nominated 75 rodeos and if he didn't have an accurate count in his own book, like you said, with your own words... There's guys out there that we talked about. These guys are business people. All of you in rodeo, all the athletes better have their own stuff written down. They need to understand routing. They need to figure out how to protect their bodies and their animals. This is a business with a lot involved that you've got to learn, by the way. Cody will tell you, this is stuff that you can't teach. It takes going down the road to make sure. I guarantee you, if this is the case, that that rodeo count will be posted on his dashboard of his truck <laughs> written in the future because you wouldn't make that mistake again if that was a mistake. My point is it is up to him to make sure he has the information. And by the way, if he's correct and they audit this, he wins, right? right. If, the, if the rodeo counts wrong, like there's not really any gray here. There's either amount of rodeos that were in or out and he should have known that. Well, That's all I'm okay. And what people should understand is when you enter a rodeo, you enter it as either official or unofficial. And a lot of people go to a number of rodeos because you can win money and make the money, put the deposit in your bank account and still call it unofficial. So you make one, it's an easy, it's an easy way to stub your toe. You know, you, you thought it was unofficial. They, it was, it was official. You go back to, you know, there's, there's audio tapes of all of this. And, and I promise you that, that people are working night and day to go back to the, you know, one, two, three, four, all the way to 75. Like they will get to the bottom of it, but no matter wh whose family dinner table you're sitting at right now, this is tough stuff. It's tough stuff. I agree. It's not good for anybody. And I'm sure if I were good enough to be a cowboy and I said unofficial and then won, Somewhere in my psyche, I might believe that I said it was official, <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's terrible, right? To have no. to to have to decide with all of the different preliminaries. But let's move on. The next thing in the NFR that usually has drama, um, and that is the there's a process for selecting the second half to our sport, 
and that is the animal athletes and the rough stock events and timed events. They get to come and compete. And there's a lot of good animals out there. The way, you know, how does that work? How do, who, who picks the animals? Well, the contractors now, kind of new, they have to provide three videos and submit for their animals to be selected. Now, there's some contractors that produce their own videos, like spend the money to make sure it's really, really good. And there's other stock contractors that are old school that do it on their phone or forget the last trip and run out there and record the last trip on their animal. But they got to send in three videos. You know, some contractors like it, some don't. Um, but a list is created and then the top athletes vote on that list. Okay. However, and not, I don't know that a lot of people know this, but there is a committee that I shall not name because I don't know who it is, but there's a committee that, that actually has the final approval on that list. They look over it. They take the Cowboys votes into account and they look over it. And that, that, committee has to approve the list before it's sent out of the livestock that gets to come. And this is my, my monologue on this. The athletes voting for it, is that good or bad? The athletes are probably going to vote for the most rideable animals. Okay. And I think that that changes depending on how good you are and how able you are to ride. And I see Kendra's wheels rolling. So she's going to pounce me like a cat on a mouse. What I hear is that a lot of the, so there's eliminators in bull riding and in horses. And these are the animals that are really, really hard to ride and hard to look good on if you're a cowboy. Because if you take a risk and spur to the front and you do all the things, that animal might throw you off. Okay. He's an eliminator. For a bareback rider, he's he's heavy and 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 so what I hear is that the bareback riders in selected in their selections left a lot of those eliminators at home. Basically, the quote unquote eliminator pin isn't quite as tough as it's been in the past. So I ask myself, is that good? Well, I think it's good for the athletes' bodies, but here's my opinion on this eliminators at the NFR. And this is a whole other point of view. So I don't want to go too far on this, Kendra, but I am interested in your opinion. I've been in this for 50 something years. If you put the top six bareback riders on the top great rideable bareback horses, I cannot tell who won. They all rake them good. The animals kick over their head and buck. I, I can't tell. And I've been around this a long time. And if I can't tell, the fans in the stands really can't tell, right? Who won? And so I think if you're giving a gold buckle, there's merit to think about the fact that you, you should probably have a pen of horses that separate the men from the toddlers. Okay. Now, the only thing I'll throw in there, and then I'm interested to hear your point on this, is that I think it's terrible, specifically in the bareback riding, to put the eliminator pin in an early round. There's 10 rounds at the NFR. Well, jerking a guy's arm out of socket in the third or fourth or fifth round that's going to affect his competition for the rest of the deal is not good. It's not good for the fans. It's not good for the athlete. So then I say, well, Tommy Joe, what would you do? Well, what if you put all the eliminators in the 10th round? The 10th round is the one. But do you only want to ride five horses in the 10th round? I'm not, I don't have a, I don't have a solution to this, but I'm saying I do believe that to separate the guys that deserve the gold buckle, there's got, it can't be all horses that they love to ride and that they can all look great on. What, what do you think? Well, I mean, it, that's a very interesting conversation. And well, I, I will say this. We'll notice that there are a lot of very close scores and ties and different things like that. It, it seems like a good thing from the contestant's point of view if you have as even a pen as possible, right? Where it's a writing contest. They would say that in the, the timed events too. It's, it's, it's impossible to make stock 
exactly even because just like people, you know, they're beings, they're, you know, their own being. So pick the pins. So those people that are out there that might not know, they pin them. We do it at our They do a good job at the NFR. They try to put like animals together. Right. Right. So if it's, you know, there's the TV pin, you know, and so they do do that. And there's some differences between them, but I, I'm asking you, do you, would you, would you rather see, What's your favorite, a pen of eliminators or not at the NFL? Well, I mean, of course, the eliminators are the funnest to me for the fans. That's the funnest to, to watch. Okay, so the thing is, are we going to car kill them, as Timer used to say, in the early going? Are we going to car kill them at the end? Who's banged up? Who's going to get hauled out on a stretcher? I mean, this this is not the same for the fans and the players I do not believe because Absolutely. you will be beat to shit by the eighth or ninth round. And then we're going to run in the eliminators. Holy heck. I mean, for the yeah. fans, that yeah. can be great. Or is it great if, if you have, you know, these guys vying for gold buckles getting thrown on their head at, at the very end? I mean, I don't know. That's a, it's a very tough gray area. Huh? I, I agree with that. The flip side of that, that I, and I'm not advocating either side because if I had if I had a solid point on this and I had good solid facts to to back my opinion on this, I would say them. But I also don't agree with lukewarm milk all the way through and figuring out who gets a buckle. Okay, any in, in any of the disciplines, nobody you've got to separate. You got to separate the men from the toddlers. Okay, and you got to earn your stripes in this game. And I guarantee you. What Stetson can ride is a lot different than what everybody else can ride. And if you don't give him the opportunity to prove that, you're not going to give the buckle to the right guy. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I don't know the answer. So so event directors, or are you saying that's not the case? Event directors don't still pick the stock for the NFR? No, I'll probably be corrected. But um, remember who the event director's constituency is. They get elected by the griders, right? So here's the deal. There's politics in this. Like there's there's a lot of politics in this. Like there's politics in everything. And I don't knock that. There's politics in the world and it's part of the game. So either play it or don't play it. But don't whine if you don't play okay, it. Okay, so this this takes me to it. It's, I feel it's probably similar you're not going to get agreement among the 15 contestants in any event about which bucking horses and bulls to bring. Am I wrong? I think I'm right because to your point, I'm pretty sure Stetson Wright is not going to deny any eliminators. Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't asked him this question, but my guess is, you know, like Ty Murray used to say, they could have run Godzilla in here. I don't care. It gets interesting, right? Is the majority is the majority going to get their way? Maybe they don't want, you know, bulls and bucking horses in there that they can't ride. I mean, I don't blame them for that if that's if that's the case. But you start you start outnumbering the the titans at the very top, don't you? Yeah, you do. And 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 I'm not. I embrace free enterprise. And democracy. I do. I do in this situation. I'm, I'm just saying that not always what's like you said it very accurately, not always what's best for the athletes is best for the sport or the fans. Right. So somewhere in between, we've always said that is probably, probably good. I mean, like I have a question. There's a there's a bucking horse, Sioux City Sioux. It's a Mobetta horse that won two rounds last year and I noticed isn't in the NFR this year. So I did some check-in to see if that horse is kind of not performing. Well, if, if the horse won two rounds in the NFR and it still is as good as it was, why isn't it in there? I don't know. So there's all this stuff going on, and it's a combination of politics and democracy and who you know. And I, I'm just saying that's part of the game, and the NFR will be great. It'll, it'll still be great, Kendra. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not like anything that we're talking about as it relates to livestock, I think is going to diminish the overall quality. I just think that to earn a buckle, you need to do just that. You need to earn a buckle. Well, earn it. no doubt about that. And something that came up, you know, in, in, in getting ready to talk about this subject, a Hall of Famer told me that 
He's 99.9% sure that for many years, every PRCA stock contractor got to take at least one head to the NFR. I do not know if this is true or not, but he said, historically, there were people that every year count on it, it would be a rewrite, but they got to take one. Now, that seems silly. When, 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 you know, this is the best of the best stock and contestants, like, okay, we obviously did away with that. That's a good thing. Yeah, I, I think you're right, but it's so subjective about what belongs. But I do think if a stock contractor is out there producing your events for you, I see merit to them getting out of it. But I mean, there's some notable contractors that don't, that don't have anything there, which just shocks me. And I, I think it's kind of it's like we said, there's not a right answer. These stock contractors that are out there beating the road and flying the flag for PRCA rodeo, and then they don't get any rewards at the end. And maybe they don't deserve it. Maybe their horses do, but maybe they do. And they're just not really good politicians. Well, right? And that's not fair. There are, a, there are a few areas in the ethics department that I just wonder if like wouldn't have cowboy turtles rolling over in their graves. I mean. Oh, Amen. Do I understand this correctly, that some stock contractors pay the entry fees of some contestants? I mean, that feels weird. Well, yeah. I mean, even I've often wondered, there are stock contractors that endorse, right? Pay cowboys to wear patches, I think, and stuff. And you got to ask yourself if that doesn't impact things. Well, And again, but I'm not going to knock it if it's allowed and it's part of the game. Yeah. What, who it, are we to sit in there and say you shouldn't do right. it? Right. But I remember the first time I worked for the PRCA way back, I didn't even notice till the Pro Radio Sports News came out and on the cover was an event director and plain as day, he had stock contractors sponsor patch on his shirt. And I was like, oh my God, that, yeah. that cannot, that's funky. But again, I mean, if it's not not against the rules, I'm never against a cowboy making money, but if you're being paid by somebody and then you're deciding how many of his horses or bulls go to the finals, oh, uh, that's. Yeah, but rodeo is not the only one. You've got, now that they've opened this NIL and college athletes, there's college athletes that are deciding not to get into the NFL because they because they can make enough money and endorsements in college to stay there. I mean, this is this is the world, right? This is part of the world. Suck it up, pull up your pants, play the game or don't play the game, right? If you just can't be a politician, me, I'm not very good at it, then you're going to suffer. Okay, okay. All right. Should stock contractors know who's up when before they set their pens at rodeos? Are you kidding me? Because that, does everybody know that that's the case? That's. Yeah, but. I, but, I, I mean, what? But like in our rodeo, we don't, we don't release. You know, we get, we, we, we get a lot of heartburn, right? Because we don't, we set the pins and we don't tell anybody until right before the rodeo what they are. And we don't, you know, our rodeo is different. I have an independent person that I hire that selects the stock pins them, does all of that, right? Where it's normally just the stock contractor brings his own stock. And there's a lot of um, variance in regular rodeo, in bucking stock, even in the timed event stock. You know that, you know, because it's one pin that you're sorting out of. We can find a million things that in everything, you could probably find this in football, in hockey. There's a million things that there are not, Kendra, there's not simple answers to. You do the best. I just think you got to crown the right person. Yes, that may the best man win means that, you know, going back to the cowboy turtles who went on strike for it, you know, a level playing field, fair, competitive conditions. We do have to to honor that because that's at the core of our sports integrity. Right. And so we want the best man to win. I don't know that that means making sure the best ones are out when the best guys are out. Is that what? Truth. But. In the end, very seldom do the greats not end up winning for all those reasons Cody Old talked about, for all those those ingredients of winners that we talked about earlier. That's the reason those um, non-documented ingredients of winners create the goats of today. Okay, well, good conversation. The last one, we've got a few minutes to talk about. 
that kind of creates some drama at the NFR is the contract personnel. And for those of you that are listening, contract personnel are the people that the rodeo committees hire to help put the whole show together. They're the talent. For instance, it's the announcers, it's the music directors, it's the secretaries, it's the stock contractors in at normal rodeos. But these are the people that are hired. And here's what's interesting. I can bet that there's some no spinners out there that assume that all of the contract personnel for the NFR were voted on by their peers. One would think that's the case if the livestock is voted on by its peers. However, that is not the case. And you may initially go, oh, that's BS. Well, I've got a little bit different take on that. The the NFR is a rodeo and they have a rodeo committee. All rodeos have rodeo. It happens to be the Super Bowl and the largest rodeo. But they have a rodeo committee. And in their hands, with the exception of this, these are the contract personnel that are voted on. Pickup men, bullfighters, and barrel men. Those are the three. There's a lot more. There's shoot bosses. There's general managers. There's all that. And this stuff is, is... chosen by the NFR's committee, right? All of the other deals. Now you may say, well, that's, that's crap. Well, I'm a producer. I produce events. That's what I do. If I'm going to produce an event, I'm going to decide who the talent is because that represents my brand. And I want to put out the very best rodeo. So I do think, you know, Sean Davis in the beginning and these guys, the way they've got it created where they pick who they think should be in those key contract personnel positions. I think that right should remain in that rodeo committee's hands. Hear me out. And then I'm interested in what you think, Kendra. Now I don't agree personally all the time that they picked the best, but that's not my problem. If I, if I, if I wanted to pick those people, I need to go out and become the GM of the NFR, and I'm not going to do that. But I think it's right that they pick them. I think that's right. I would say that secretaries, you know, you kind of wonder because secretaries deal with the athletes. But um, I think it's right that the, the committee picks those people. And I just want our our listeners to understand that the NFRC, they, they pick um, all of them except for the pickup men, bullfighters, and barrel men. And there's always controversy, Kendra, right, on who gets in, why'd they get picked in, is he the best announcer, is he not the best announcer? There are people out there on social media platforms shredding everybody about whether or not the best or not the best in any one of these particular things. So what what say you, Kendra, to all of this? Okay, so what I what I will say, you asked for my opinion, it's of course the bull riders and the bucking horse riders should pick the bullfighters and the pickup men. That is their safety. This is their living. That that's absolutely the way it should be. As far as like contract, you know, I know how political the the announcers situation is really tough. You know, there were shoot Bob Tomlin and Boyd Polhamus had that a stranglehold on that rodeo forever. You know, I know the rodeo rumor mill was like, oh, you can't, t- you know, keep Tallman on script or whatever. I mean, we won't even go into all that because that's some people think it's the worst thing that ever happened that they removed him. And, you know, everybody has their different opinions, whatever. So but as far as like I, I do think it's fair as far as, you know, who's going to who's going to run the timed event shoots, who's going to, you know, be the shoot boss. I see no problem in the in that rodeo. That I've been in decades of the pre and post every perf production meetings, and there are people who sit there and write down how that performance goes to the second. So the well-oiled machine that is the NFR, you know, it is our Super Bowl for a reason. No detail is left unthought of and discussed you know, planned. I won't get into the politics of, you know, picking announcers or whatever. Um, As far as like, you know, contract personnel, maybe it's so minor when they bring in like trick writers or something. It's so, you know, what is it? 45 seconds or something. It's not like a full act. You know, they don't do acts at the NFR because the stars of the show are the contestants. So to me, I don't see why when it comes to contract acts that you would have the same ones every year. And I don't think they do that. I think they mix that up, don't they? I think they do within reason. I mean, Sean Davis created a, an amazing, I mean, he's the mastermind of their schedules and everything. And I think Alan, Alan has done a really good job, a really good job with that. And 
you know, and I think they've actually increased the entertainment value because it was it was all about the time frame, right? And I do understand that they want to get people out of Thomas and Mac and let them go enjoy Vegas. I like that. That's fine. However, I do think that they've had a little more flexibility on allowing it to be a, be the Super Bowl, to be entertainment. I mean, the Super Bowl has a has a I don't know forty five minute halftime show that everybody looks forward to. So I think entertainment, specialty acts, and that you say the stars of the shows are the athletes. I agree, but I don't agree that the the rest of them aren't a major part of whether a fan enjoys the event or not. And so, in in so I'm going to kind of wrap up my thoughts on all three of these, Kendra, and then kind of kick it back to you. These things aren't as simple as you might think sitting there watching the Cowboy Channel or in your home. There's a lot of things. And I'll give you an example. When I first was going to send my boys to school, my wife Donna and I were in an argument about whether homeschool or public school. And Tommy Joe said public school because I want them, as I said earlier, I want them to experience all of those things that happen in real life. I want them to be, to figure out how to handle the bully. And by the way, the teacher that didn't like them, they weren't, that, that's part of life. Same. So we agreed to do this. But what I did was I got on the school board. I'm going to try to make this quick. I got on the school board because I wanted to know what was going on and have an impact. Well, what I found out once I got on there is those school board members in that school at my particular school, they were trying to do a great job. There's a lot of things that you just can't do, right, to make the school better, right? It's, there's all policies and there's rules, who gets to govern. And really the school board's only, only, only really thing that they can do is approve a budget and select a superintendent. My point on this is, that you don't know the right answer till you get involved. And if you don't like something that's going on on in our sport, you need to get involved. If, if you don't like what you're doing, go out there and apply for the school board. Get involved in the PRCA. Get involved in local politics because you have no right to bitch if you're not willing to act. Final comment, Kendra? I, I, I too, volunteered in my son's classrooms all those years because I wanted to, you know, help kids. And, and interestingly, they ended up having me a, a large part of my role for K through six was helping kids who didn't speak English, learn English. And it was, you know, amazing. But, but back to the NFR, the one thing I, I have had a role all these years with the contestants. I have asked more questions of the powers that be than anyone and I feel like it's it's a lot of it is because the the cowboys aren't always comfortable to question something or ask why something is so. And so I have done it thousands of times where I go to the right person, whether it's the NFR committee, whether it's the PRCA highest ups and say, this happened or this is how this is. Why is that so? And then I would take take the answers back to the person who wanted to know. To me, there's no such thing as a, as a stupid question. Everybody should be comfortable. That's not always the way it is. But, but what I learned in those meetings before and after every performance of the NFR for decades is that sometimes there are reasons that, that you wouldn't know for why this or that's done. And they don't always make sense. And I don't always agree with them. You know, it was, it's always hard for me when they hold rewrites after the rodeo in the bull riding at the NFR, that's tough. Now I know that they have their reasons for doing that. I of course won't leave my seat till the last bull has bucked, you know, but the hardcore fans stay also. So uh, there are reasons that, that you don't always know. And that's, I, I love connecting the contestants, you know, the players with the powers that be, because sometimes what the powers that be, they, they seem like jerks, but sometimes the reason they do it is actually the greatest recipient of benefit is actually the players and they may not even understand why until you connect. This is why this is done. And, and by the way, if it doesn't make sense and there's a better way and a better idea, I'm all for that. You are too. That's, that's what this is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. That's what no spin rodeo is all about. Communication discussions, trying to figure out what the best path forward is. And so we've had a really good day. We appreciate all of you. I challenge all of you once again, all of you out there that download this podcast and listen, give us some feedback. Do you agree? Do you not agree with what we just talked about? We'll address it on the next No Spin. Remember that number is 817-668-2395. That's a text line. 
nobody's name is ever seen. Or you can email us at nospinfeedback at gmail.com. We want to thank all of you for being a part. Um, We really appreciate you downloading and listening to episode five of No Spin Rodeo. I want to thank Greg Teagarden with Piranha Productions, our producer, for all of his great work. And my friend and uh, co-host on this show, the amazing Kendra Santos. Thank you, Kendra. All of you have a blessed day. Pray for this world. It needs it. Until we talk again, this is No Spin Rodeo.